Uh, welcome to Football Thunders, episode 16, because apparently we've done a couple of 14s. But who knows? Who cares? It's just a number, and what does that? Numbers mean nothing. Brought to you by the Proper Blokes Club, uh, Walking for Mental Health, and let us talk football team. Dan, tell us all about them. Yeah, we're a football club built around making money for the Mind Charity. We have a game, if you're in the uh, London slash North kind of Kent region, at Oakwood Sports Ground in Crayford on the 19th of November. It's a 7.30 kickoff. It's People's FC against Let Us Talk. It's fiver for an adult and three pounds for kids. If you are in the area, please head down to VC Athletic, Oakwood Sports Ground, DA1, 4DN. We'd love to to invite you in. Come and watch us play some football. And you might even see me. Assistant manager, you. See. See, but not in that shirt you're wearing, because I've just got to tell you he's wearing a Green Bay shirt at the moment, listeners. It's because we're winning tonight, so I thought I'd get on early doors. Good. Uh, right, coming up this uh, on this pod, uh, we have to discuss, uh, we're going to have a look at Barcelona uh, and their schmozzle that went on, that's gone on there this week. And in general, it's it, the, the most obvious sacking of the year, that really, but with more about that in a minute. Uh, also, uh, we'll uh, take a look at players who didn't reach their potential because of injury. Doesn't necessarily mean their career was cut short by injury. I think it's, it's players that's that uh, career was blighted by injury. It could be cut short, but it could be their career was ruined. They played, but not quite at the level that everyone expected. And also, we'll uh, turn our attention. I think it'd be rude not to have a look at the events at Old Trafford last Sunday, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. I think that's... Um, we can look at it two times if you want, Ryan. That's fine. Uh, he's, <laughs> I think he's putting two fingers up to say um, we can discuss it twice, once at the start and once at the end. Uh, but first, should we um, look at the main subject tonight? It's definitely uh, players who never reach their potential uh, because of injury. And now, we've got a, a variety of... I've already asked. Dan's are from the year 2000, really, aren't they? It's, it's your knowledge base. Yeah, I've got, I've got one more from before, but I think I'll have to rely on you for more detail. Okay, and Ryan's from about 1992. So mine is goes a little bit further back than that. And sh- should I start? Because I've got three names. In 1874. Not that not that bad. But I've got three names, two of which I've seen play. What, two of which I think you'll all know of. One of them you probably don't know. Dan may know, but Ryan, you certainly won't. Uh, my first one is a, a, a young player called um, Graham Tutt. Dan, do you know? The goalkeeper. Uh, he Ryan. Uh, he has a book, yeah. Do you, Ryan, have you heard of him? No, never heard of him. I've heard of King Tut, but not him. No, no, no. He was uh, Graham Tut was uh, a young keeper uh, that came through the ranks at Charlton, and uh, he went out on loan to Workington in 1976, I think it was. Uh, he oh, suffered. You were 50. He suffered. He was playing. He was up at Roker Park playing against Sunderland, and he suffered an eye injury, which put That'll him out of action. Uh, put him out of uh, action for 18 months uh, and it cut short his career in England. I mean, he then went over to the States and played for Arcadia Shepherds uh, and he went to South Africa, Arcadia Shepherds, uh, Columbus Magic, Atlanta Chiefs and he, and he stayed in America where he is now. He's written a book, uh, which is a really good book to read, but he was a very, very, very talented keeper. And But for that injury at such a young age, he was just barely 20 when the injury occurred, and it was a horrific injury. I mean, you can Google Graham Tutt and it, the injury will come up. You can see it's just under the right eye uh, where the, the cheekbone is depressed and it's gone, and it's it's pretty uh, pretty nasty. 
So um, that's my one. Another one I've got is Norman Whiteside. Uh, Ryan Dears will pick up this. Man United player. Uh, I think he made his debut at 16 or 17 for Man United. He went to the World Cup in 1982. Uh, he's got an absolutely beauty, beautiful goal in the 1983 Cup final against Brighton. But he injured his knee and he sort of, Fergie's the one who shipped him out. He carried on to have a career, but he, he, he moved over to Everton. Uh, he, he moved to Everton, but he only made 29 appearances in two years. So Fergie got rid of him after he was at seven years. He was one who was renowned for enjoying life to the full, uh, Norman Whiteside. He was one of the... Um, he was one of the main drinking club members. He was in there with Paul McGrath and Brian Robson. And... Uh, I, Fergie didn't appreciate that. What he did appreciate, uh, and a lot of people think that Fergie didn't like Whiteside. He just said he was, um, as far as he was compl- com- uh, concerned, for, uh, Whiteside was about as close as, to a genius as you were going to get. He was an exceptional player, and uh, a re- it's a knee injury that really uh, sort of cut it short, short his career. You went to Everton, uh, which you can do, you could do in those days and just have a, an, half, an average career. But he was set to be one of the world's best players until that knee injury. And my final one, uh, a name you'll know, but uh, I'll, I'll give you some stats about this man. He played 274 league games, yeah? And uh, he scored 251 league goals. No, oh, I know who it is. Brian, any ideas who it is? No, go on, go for it, Dan. Uh, it's Clive Mendonca, right? It's not Clive Mendonca. No, it's oh, okay. way before that. Brian Clough. Okay. Senior or junior? Senior, the manager. Right, Brian, okay, Clough. Yep. Brian Clough, the manager, he, he, he retired at 29. He actually got injured when he was 26. He played for Middlesbrough, 213 games, 197 goals. Uh, 61 games for Sunderland, 54 goals. And he got two caps for England and uh, got injured. Uh, and he did his knee ligaments, an, an injury that these days would um, would easily be, he'd be out for nine months. But he, he finished his career. He tried to come back, but it just didn't work. But that goal record alone tells you something about how good he was as a player. 274 games, 251 goals. Had he not been injured... Who knows? I mean, England, his England career would have would have been a, a lot longer, I would think. He retired in 1959. Around that time, there was a couple of other players that um, whose career was ended, but not by injury, unfortunately, the Munich air disaster. And I've never seen uh, any footage of Duncan Edwards, but when you hear Bobby Charlton of the players who were at Man United, they talk about Duncan Edwards, who would have they reckon would have played for England for years and years and would have been one of the greatest players in the world. And, yeah, everyone who saw him play said he was just an incredible talent. So those are mine. I know they're a bit old, and uh, half our listeners will be thinking, well, I mean, there's, there's one there, Brian Clough. You're, people will know Brian Clough, but they they know Brian Clough, the manager, and what are the achievements he had as a manager. But you need to look at the the Brian Clough before that, up in the northeast when he was playing for Middlesbrough and Sunderland, and he just couldn't stop scoring. And But for that knee injury... Who knows? He could have been one of the highest scorers. Well, he would have been one of the uh, best goal scorers in, in, in top flight football. Dan? Just, just while you mentioned Sunderland, I'd just, just like to remind everyone that lives in Sunderland, you're owned by Charlton Athletic Football Club. Yeah, yes, yes, we are. We are yeah, yeah, we own Charlton. We've been, we've been uh, living rent-free in their minds since 1998, and it's joyous. <laughs> Who's going next? Ryan, we're going to go with you next, because um, we're going to go in age, you see. 
Right, so, okay. I've got a lot. So me and Dan might clash on a few of them. They might I've, come together. I um, have three. So um, I, I focused on, on two with a third oh, question. So, so Ryan, Ryan if, you, if you sort of go with your top three, and then if there's anything right. you really think should sneak in there. Cause, okay. Uh, well, the first one, I think, really needs to be brought up, and that was Fabrice Mwamba. For anybody who doesn't know that, who that mm-hmm. is, he was a former Bolton player who suffered a cardiac arrest in a televised match. So it was live on TV against Tottenham and he was forced to retire very shortly after then in about 2012, I think it was, if I remember mm-hmm. rightly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he was a cracking player. He's probably not rated that highly at the time, but he was I think just coming, after it happened. He was just starting to get his plaudits, wasn't he? He was starting to yes. get talked about the England squad was... His name was getting bandied about after a difficult time. Stuck, stuck at Arsenal, went to Birmingham, was at Bolton, and well, I think it was their captain, if I'm correct. Yeah. It, yeah. That, that one was really difficult to watch, especially because it literally happened in front of us. Anyone who saw what happened to Christian Eriksen, pretty much the same thing, only Fabrice Moenba I think worse. Uh, was much yeah. worse. He was clinically dead for quite a period yes. of time. There was a, there was a heart surgeon in the crowd, crowd luckily. That came on and, and assisted to to get him get keep his heart keep blood circulating and get him and keep him in a condition that they could get him to specialists and get oh, him. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I watched um, a podcast he was on. Yeah, and his heart didn't work for seventy eight minutes. That's just some astonishing. It's crazy that he's still alive. Yeah, it's just, just grateful that he is, to be honest, because yeah. no one deserves that. And, it, and, what um, it, and what it did, it made a bit of a sea change in football that now uh, every football club, wherever you go, you'll find defibrillators now. Uh, yeah, it wasn't even just football. I think it's... It is, so no, it's throughout wilder, society. Wilder he's, well, he's he leads the campaign and he he helps to lead the campaign for getting... A def- I know a cricket club I played for in the summer uh, have a defibrillator and, and there's lots of... Uh, Charities and people that raise money to to have defibrillators and their lifesavers because they can restart the heart, which is much better than just keeping the blood to the oxygen. I'm trying to use one because the heart muscle the heart muscle dies the minute it stops beating. It's starting to die, uh, and it's all very well keeping the blood and keeping the brain alive, but you need to keep the heart muscle alive. So the quicker you can get the heart started, the better the uh, the heart will be after the incident. Sorry, Ryan. And there, and there is also a petition currently in front of the government at the moment to make it law that every sports stadium or oh, sporting club has uh, a defibrillator in the ground. Yeah, that and should be a given. That they're also uh, the same thing for schools <laughs> as well. Yeah, it should also be. being trialled. Next one. Go on, um, yeah. I just showed Dan a video. Obviously, Pete, you said you didn't want to watch it, which is fair enough. Yeah, I'm, yeah, um, yeah is a former Manchester United youth player called Ben Thornley. Obviously, being a Man United player, this, being a Man United fan, this one was quite close to home. He was another member of the, the fabled class of 92. Unfortunately, he didn't get to the level that Giggs and Beckham and that lot did, not through uh, a lack of talent, because he was massively talented. If you talk to David Beckham and... Dennis Law and everybody at Manchester United, they said that he probably would have been the best player to play for Manchester United since yeah, George Scholes. There's a thing not long ago on TV and he was saying he would have been the best of the group. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, his career, it wasn't cut short, but it, it was dramatically changed forever. Tackle by, well, I call it a tackle. Dan, you've seen the video. Yeah, it's it's an assault. It's just an abuse. It's an assault. 
1994 in a reserve team game, um, he was tackled by a Blackburn Rovers player called Nicky Marker. And basically the surgeon who did his surgery described Ben's knee as opening a book and watching all the pages fall out. Oof, everything, everything was absolutely ruptured, clean off of the bone. There was no ligaments attached. Everything was ruined. He actually sued Blackburn and Nicky Marker in 1997. Yeah, he won several million pounds, although the matter, the, the figure is, isn't disclosed. Um, he did go on to play for Huddersfield, Aberdeen and Blackpool and Barry and a few other clubs. But he really should have been like a, he should have been in the, the Champions League side of 99. But unfortunately, his career was screwed. The, the other one I'm going to come up is one that Dan and Pete probably might not know. But his name was Gianluigi Lentini. For people who don't know who he was, he was an Italian winger who became the world's most expensive player for £13 million in 1992-93. He was in the Capello AC Milan side that finished the the season undefeated in Serie A. He wrapped his 9-11 Porsche uh, around a a speed barrier um, at high speed in August 1993. How he escaped alive, it, it, it beggars... If you go online and Google the crash and see the photos of his what's left of his Porsche, it, it, it's baffling that he even stepped out alive, let alone stepped out at all. Um, he did go on to have a career, but it was nowhere near the level it should have been. And he had a lot of memory problems and vision issues that, that just meant that he didn't become the player that he should have been. As soon as you mentioned his name, I thought, is that the fellow of the car crash? Yeah, I do, I do yeah. remember it because he was, I mean, he was the big, big prospect. I remember at the time it was a big, big, big signing. So, yeah, go on. Yep, excellent. Yeah, yeah, World's yeah. most expensive player in 1992 at £13 million. Pounds, and now we're looking at transfers in excess of £200 million, which is what PSG paid for Mbappe to Monaco. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's my three main ones. I've got a list of others, but Dan, come in, and then I'll just chuck some names out, and we'll have a quick run at. Go on, Dan. So, as Pete said already, mine are based kind of my experience of watching football. So, I'll start with one that I thought one of you had mentioned, which is Ledley King. He's on my list. A centre-back that, again, if it wasn't for injuries, but I think also he was in with Terry and Ferdinand. He, he was, was equal to them. Going to be, he was going to be equal to re- them. Yeah, I think the guy spent the last two or three years of his career not training, just playing every week, just to try and get yep. himself fit. That's uh, he played. I think he made his debut in like two thousand. Was an ever present from then till about two thousand and six, and then sadly yeah. his body just stopped on him, didn't it? Yeah, he, he couldn't um, do it. Very he, similar he, to Paul McGrath of uh, Man United and Villa, who his, uh, couldn't train. You, you look at his. Uh, if you if you were a football fan back then, you'd already know. But he had everything about him. He looked so cool, so calm, and I thought he was very overlooked. Um, I was actually surprised to see he did have. He did play for England twenty times. He um, did, yeah. But um, a big, big loss because he was a big centre back, and you think he's would have been old enough to have not been in the team that obviously has made the success Tottenham had recently, but. When they were going through turbulent times, I wonder if Ledley King had played another three or four years and are into 2016, 2015, if he makes a difference. Yeah, we go to the Euros at 2016 and we get don't get done by the Icelandic players because we've got a decent central defender. Ryan? 
Sorry, if, if Ledley King had remained fit, he wouldn't have remained at Tottenham. His talent was so much yeah, bigger. No, that's he a fair point. A yeah, very true. That's a fair point. He'd have got a free transfer like Sal Campbell and gone to Arsenal. No, <laughs> you know he would have gone. He would have gone somewhere big, uh, Man United or, or somewhere like that. Definitely. Yeah, Le- Le- Ledley King. That's a good shout. Next one. So the, uh, I've got two others. I'll go to the one that you might might not know. Go Pete, on. you'll know him from Football Manager. Uh, Adair Alvarez Balanta. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Great defender. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, lovely. On football manager. Absolutely, the world was raving about this kid. He was lined up to go. I think he had a trial at Barcelona and they felt they saw a problem with his knee, so they refused to sign him. He kind of buffed it away and said it's not a big issue. Carried on playing for River Plate. Went to Basel in uh, Switzerland. And I think he was about 22, 23 when he made the move. And uh, surprise, surprise, his knee just, just finished just... him. Um, I think he was at Basel for three or four years, couldn't yeah. finish a complete season. Still, when you listen to and read things about him, he still is a fantastic centre-back, but just broke down, managed about 16 games a season because his knees couldn't take it. And I think Ooh. last season he moved to Club Bruges. Um, still playing. He's still playing. He's at Club Bruges. And I think he's been fairly fit based off the number of games he's played. But you know he's had a. I think he's had like three surgeries, four surgeries on his knee. Yeah, um, but still playing. He was a real, real talent. Um, highly rated, and I'm not saying that as an FM football manager fan because he was an amazing on FM. But if you listen to, um, I used to listen to Tim Vickery on football, phoning, and a few other South American things. There, everyone would hype up this man. Uh, career just his injuries just ruined him, and the sad, sad thing for him is. And I wonder if he'd done something about it when Barcelona called him and said, listen, we've found a problem. Would it have made a difference rather than carrying on playing? But, yeah. Oh, amazing. He's playing, apparently, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's now... He's at uh, Club Bruges. Yeah, he's at Club Bruges yeah. in Belgium. Since he joined in 2019, he's played 49 games. He's now... So he's done quite well. They're playing him in midfield, apparently. Apparently, uh, 2021, uh, four games in the Champions League, two in the Europa League, uh, 25 in the uh, in the uh, Jupiler League, the main league. That's last uh, season. Yeah. That's last season. Sorry. So, uh, but he's 41 appearances up until until the start of this season for them. So he's um, he's getting some games there. Hopefully, maybe hopefully, but he's, ne- he's just not going to achieve the level of that, that that was expected of him, which is a shame. Yeah, should... Next one, my last. My last one um, is someone that I don't, I don't think was ever built to be a big star, um, but someone that I always enjoyed watching, and it's Dean Ashton. Yeah, yeah. I had that one yeah, as well. No, no. That's, he, uh, I, when I kind of remember watching football, was I remember, I remember hearing his name scoring a ton crew in what was then the first division, now the championship. And then he came up to Norwich, I think in the January window of their Premier League year, and almost kept him up pretty much single-handedly. Um, went to West Ham, couldn't stay fit. You know, same, same as other players, just couldn't stay fit. Sadly, um, his career ended uh, after uh, his only appearance for England. He was injured in a game against Trinidad and Tobago that ended his footballing career at 26. 26, he was, yeah. He was never going to be, you know, he was never going to play for Man United, Chelsea, those kind of players. But I loved watching him. He was a big man that could move, scored goals, caused problems. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a shame looking back that he never got that time to. He to actually, more. 
he actually was a hell of a footballer in terms of technique for yeah, such a big he fella. Was good. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was really good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I let Dan go first because apparently my information's incorrect because according to what I read, he got he suffered a broken ankle in a challenge with Sean Wright Phillips. Um, but Dan's just said that he injured himself on England. Yeah. Jury. According to the one I read, it was on England. Jury. Yeah, he, he, um, West Ham filed. Um, like a, to get their money back for sure. paying him for the rest of his contract because he was in a, in, in, injured on international duty. He was uh, he was going to be a very good Premier League goal scorer without a shadow of a doubt, and he'd have been very very useful because he was a big lad. And I think, um, I mean, when you look at the time he was playing, who was playing up front for England? I mean, he would have got he would have got more games. Uh, Rooney more. and Owen, wasn't it? Rooney and Owen, and Owen was forever injured, so he's always had you know the dodgy hamstring or whatever. So there's a good chance that he would have played a fair few games uh, as long as he got on with Capello. The one other one I just wanted to ask you two about because he was a bit before my time. Go on. But when I was doing research into this, I kept seeing Darren Anderton's name pop up. Yes. (laughs) All right, no. I mean, Sick note, yeah, genuinely. Yeah, I was very aware that he was a sick note and the problems he had. He signed for Tottenham and uh, and they run up to Euro 96 uh, for about two seasons before 96. He was injured for most of the time. He miraculously stayed fit enough to get to the Euro 96 and he was picked and he played really well. He was very good when he played and when he was fit. And then as soon as Euro 96 was over, he got injured and miraculously he was back again for the World Cup in 98. And after that, uh, he didn't make any other tournaments, but um, yeah, injury uh, cut short a lot. It, there, there was a, a film out called The English Patient, which was a, a you know all these classical actors, but they they mocked up the film poster with a picture of Darren Anderton, which was a bit unfair. Um, but uh, a very talented player, and he was an, a very important part of the um, uh, Euro '96 squad that done so that, that did so well. A very talented. I think he came from Bournemouth, if I, if I remember yeah. right. No, yeah, it's Portsmouth. Bournemouth. It was Portsmouth. No, he started. He might have no, for both. No, he started at Portsmouth and he signed to, to Spurs. He, he went to Birmingham City Wolves and then Bournemouth. But uh, it I was at his, yeah. he played. He played two hundred ninety nine games for uh, Spurs and he got thirty England caps. But he really should have had more uh, because he was just hampered by injuries. It was a bit of a nightmare for him, to be honest. But very good player when he was fit. But he just wasn't fit long enough. He couldn't, you know, he very rarely made a whole season without, you know, getting some sort of injury. I mean, some some big players' bodies, just the level of training and and the the punishing routine that training is, bodies just can't take it. And even and these days, the, the way players train now, it's um, it's tougher on the it's tough on the bodies. Ryan, and the other thing is, is he turned down a move to Manchester United? Well, he's not, of, he's not all bad I've, then, is he? I've got well, no. You it just makes you wonder. Had he not turned down Manchester United when he was at Tottenham, would he have gone on and got injured? Yeah, cool. I think so because he had that. He's. I think it's his body. It's not a question of. Um, uh, I don't think it's a question of that he was at the wrong club. Uh, I, I would say that's his body letting him down. Um, there's other players. I mean, you look at players that had they gone to Man United, it'd be different. Like Gazza would have been a different story under Alex. I was going to say I, that I, I, I was actually that was different. Well, no, because I was actually going to bring him up as well, well because he suffered some really bad yeah, injuries in, at Lazio, didn't he? But yeah, but I, I want to just move away from that because uh, with Anderson, I think it was his body, and with Gaza, 
Had he gone to Man United, I think Ferguson would have managed him better than Venables did. And, and he, he wouldn't have been in London. He'd have been in Manchester where there's temptation. But Fergie had eyes everywhere in Manchester. And uh, Gaza would not have got away with anywhere near the stuff he got away in London. You talk to players who played with Gaza in London and he he was up to scrapes every night out and about. That wouldn't have happened in Manchester. But the Darren Anderson's uh, problems were were his physical. It was nothing to do with uh, the, uh, what club he was at. It was purely down to his body. wasn't up to the uh, the task. Well, one right. more from a, a very biased perspective. Go on. Charlton perspective. Royce Wiggins, who was a Charlton left back, he was about 27, yeah. with his knee in a derby game against Palace. He Welsh would international. In, he, would play, he would have played in the Premier yeah. League. Not for Charlton. <laughs> I think so he, he had a. Did he not have a couple of games for Bournemouth? He spent time with Bournemouth, but very. Uh, that was after his knee problem. Yeah, he he, he yeah he would have left us for a move. 100%. I was I was I was at the game when he got crocked and seeing him go yeah. down. It didn't look serious. It didn't look that bad. He just went down and got taken off. And you, but he was never the same player again after that. And and I think he went to back to back to Bournemouth and yeah his career. Um, Welsh international uh, and a very very good left back as well. Very good left back, pacey, uh, could defend and uh, could cross the ball as well. His uh, combination with Jackson down the left wing uh, was a joy to behold. Everyone said Jacko uh, ran down the wing. It was Royce Wiggins that did that. So uh, Royce I've, Wiggins, good shout. I've got a couple of others here um, going back a bit. Abu Diaby from Arsenal. Do you mm -hmm. remember him? Yep. Yeah. He could barely get through a game, let alone a season. Yep. Uh, Phil Jones, I think, has got to get a mention here because he's had 28 injuries in his Manchester United career and he's been there about 10 years. Very talented That's player. Horrific bad yeah. luck. Yeah. Another one whose body and, probably and can't strange, take it. Very strange faces. Yeah, he's yes, got the can. facial expressions that you wouldn't believe. Can I just throw in another Man United player? That cool. I think uh, who who played a lot for Man U. Well, he played uh, uh, he played a lot. He played for England as well. But I, his career was cut short, and I think he could have been such. He could if he if he'd stayed fit. What a player he, he was! Already Let a good guess. player. Owen Hargreaves. Yes, I, I've got him on the list. Owen um, Hargreaves. I think we we missed out on Owen Hargreaves. Uh, his injuries problems ruined him at Man United, and it was it was a, a shame because. Uh, such and when he played, he played came through the ranks at Bayern Munich, um, and then signed for Man United, and he looked the part. And he, when he played for England, yeah. I remember when he played for England, and and he just looked complete part, uh, sitting in front of the back four or whatever, and just it just looked, uh, it just just what we needed, because we had attacking minded players, but the Owen Hargreaves anchored everything beautifully, and uh, I think we missed him in a big way. Can I just chuck another one who's having problems at the moment? And uh, I, I think Joe Gomez has had two pretty nasty knee injuries, but he's still a talented mm. player. I'm hoping, I'm fingers crossed that if. he can can get over the, these issues because he's that he'll he'll he, he could play in that England back four when he's fit. Not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, Eduardo, I don't know if you guys remember this. He was a Croatian striker. He was actually Birmingham, Birmingham uh, City. Got, yeah. He got his leg snapped clean in half at Birmingham City. Yeah. Um, I think it was Martin Taylor, I think. I yeah. don't remember who it was, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Martin Taylor. It's 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 difficult, isn't it? I mean, um some of them some of these players uh they had serious injuries which were as a result of being tackled or, or... Steve Koppel. 
the Man United winger uh, and manager. He got taken out by a Hungarian uh, left-back and it finished his career, really. And he was such a talent. He stopped playing for England in about 83, but he'd have carried on playing and possibly not a managed Palace. And I'd have loved that. Yeah, another one that Ryan hasn't messaged yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's on there. Jack Wilshere. Yes, I was going to leave him for last because obviously he's the most present one. I mean, at the age of 29, he's now doing his coaching badges at Arsenal because he can't get a club. I think that says it all. Body's not up to it, is it? What a player he was, though. What a player when he was on the ball. Yeah. Jonathan Woodgate was another one I think would have had a better career had he not had really bad injuries. Uh, Absolute class at Leeds, uh, Jonathan Woodgate. And then he moved to Real Madrid and he looked class there. And then injuries just took their toll. He also had problems... Mentally, a bit as he had a few uh, healthish mental health issues as well to deal with. That, that, but his body again was another one that just couldn't wasn't up to the job. Unfortunately, who else have we got? Dyer? Sorry, Dan, who was that? Kieran Dyer. Kieran Dyer. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of his were more muscle related than anything else, weren't they? I think it was just a lot of hamstring injuries. He did go on to have a decent career. I chuck Wes Brown in there because he had some really yeah. horrific knee injuries when he was young. Yeah, I think he, he could have been a Rolls Royce of a defender. But he, not... he still had a decent career at the highest level, didn't he? Until he went Absolutely. to Sunderland, <laughs> really, and then he went to Sunderland. It's a shame. That, uh, with regards to Kieran Dyer, he's having hospital treatment uh, at the moment. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll uh, come through. Whatever the issue is at the moment, he's he's going through. Um... Daniel Sturridge as well was another one who seemed to suffer a lot of muscle injuries who I think probably would have been a better player had he been able to stay fit, just like Gibril Cissé. Gibril Cissé described him as a, a fine-tuned Porsche. You had to keep him fine-tuned, otherwise he was no good. Oh, a, a thoroughbred, yeah. Michael Owen is another one. When he burst onto the scene as a kid uh, at 17, at 98, he was just amazing. And he just got a load of hamstring injuries in the early part of his career. And then he cleared that up. And then he just had problems. When he, I think when he went to Newcastle and Stoke, he said he, he, he'd given up. I've seen an interview where he said he just he was just doesn't know why he was still playing. He was nowhere near the player he was. While we're on Michael Owen, he's made my favourite quote in football ever. Go on. There was a penalty that went wide. And I can't remember who it was. I think I may be wrong. But I think it was Hudson Adoy. Yeah. It stands up, sticks the penalty wide, and Michael Owen says, that's a fantastic penalty. He'll be gutted he's put it wide. How can what? it be a fantastic penalty if he's put it wide? It's uh, uh, he's... What? <laughs> what? <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, I, think, I think we've actually covered my whole list as well. So between the three of us, I think we've done quite well there. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, excellent. So uh, what we'll do next is we'll have a look at Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona have finally fired Ronald Koeman. That is the, the full gist of the story, really. Um, it's been a long time coming. My guess is they didn't really want to spend the money to fire him. They couldn't afford to I, earlier on in the year. <laughs> well, no, I think they could, but they didn't want to because they were having so many money issues. And I'm baffled that they've just taken out, I think it's another £1.9 billion <laughs> loan. They're in a billion going- pounds debt already. They're renovating the new camp, so they need £1.9 billion. But yeah, Ronald Koeman's gone after they're currently set, I believe, ninth in the Spanish League, recently lost to Rayo Vallecano and lost to Real Madrid. And he's finally been fired. So I'm not surprised. It's been a long time coming. He's a terrible manager anyway. I don't know how he got the job. And he's filled what he 
the squad with what he could, which is free transfers that are a load of pup. Dan, go for it, mate. Uh, well, can I just yeah. say, on Ronald Coleman, serves him right. I've got no sympathy for him. I still remember 1993 Rotterdam. He should have been sent off against England. He went up the other end and scored a free kick. So I haven't forgiven him for that. But that job at Barcelona... Anyone, no one would have got any, no one would have lasted at Barcelona this season. It's been an absolute car crash. Dan? Yep, I bet it's more than this season. They were bad last season. Mm. Last season, they were, they finished third in the league, way out of the title race. Atletico, the two Madrid clubs have basically had a title race for themselves. They were knocked out in the Champions League in the coming straight out of the group stage. And they went out early in the in the, the Spanish Cup. Nine times out of ten, you're gone from that alone. So he was lucky to make it into this season. And yeah, as Ryan said, sadly, he had to build a squad out of free transfers. However, I still think the players that he has at his disposal are good enough to be, be better in, in the Champions League conversation. Not Obviously not win it. But if you look right now, they're in danger of not getting out of the Champions League group stage. As uh-huh. Ryan said, ninth in La Liga. And yes... They've had problems and their squad isn't fantastic. They still have enough in there. I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be Xavi, their next manager, by all I'm reading and seeing. Xavi is just finishing his contract with his club in, is it Qatar he's managing it? I think so, yeah. Uh, Al or someone like that. They're getting things sorted and then he'll be at Barcelona. But I, I get, I sort of like you talk about Rio Vallecano. I see people defending him saying, oh, they lost Rio Vallecano, but. Look at the players he's played. He's got Depay, Aguero, Philippe Coutinho, uh, Pedri, and Javi, who's a youngster, who's the next Pedri, really. You should still is, be beating Real Vallecano. There, there is no doubt there is talent still at Barcelona, but I mean, his tactics are awful. Why, how they've managed to go from a style of football that everyone was raving and everybody was copying to this style of football, it's almost unwatchable it really is well i un- i understand why he got the job because he was essentially barcelona's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in the beginning of like we need someone to just stop the rot but to just to then allow happen. it to carry on it, it's it it's almost as much as the board's fault as it is his yeah. because he never should have got the job he sh- never should have been given this long just even some of the decisions they're making they're trying to give usman dembele a new contract when he's been been there for about four years and been fit for about six weeks. <laughs> I think um, for people, that, that everyone sort of harks back to when Guardiola was manager there and that style of football. No way should anyone with that team be trying to play that style of football because they don't. They haven't had that style of that level of players. The, the group of players that Guardiola had <laughs> no, 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 no. were just yeah, yeah. No, seriously, no, 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 no. Sorry, I've, I've got to jump in here because the, the style of football that Barcelona played under Pep Guardiola wasn't of Pep Guardiola's doing. It was something Johan Cruyff brought in years and years ago, and it is inbred in all the children that come out of their youth academy. So these kids are are brought in, designed to play that style of football, to then get a manager who doesn't play that style of football and plays... Because he didn't have have the players at the level uh, of that ability that, that Guardiola and Cruyff had. The talent pool coming through is nowhere near as good 
It's like Man United's team of nine, the, the team of ninety two. Don't In, shake your head; yeah, it's but, genuinely no, no, but no it's, it's not. It's the talent, you, you the level. It. No, no, the level of no, no, talent I'm of players sorry. coming you, through. No, I know we're near. Sorry, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm sorry, excuse me. I think Barcelona did not play that style of football. That's not what they did. Pedri's got Kuman. the potential. Like, hang on, Pedri's got the potential. He's not there yet. He's nowhere near the level of the players that we were talking that I'm talking about. He's not there yeah, yet. But Sorry, we're saying, no, but what we're saying is if you watch Oh, Ronald I'm getting Koeman, salty. So Barcelona's football under Ronald Koeman, he didn't even attempt to play Guardiola's football, Croatia's football. He was playing Ronald Koeman football, which was just head the ball in the midfield. We'll just give it to Messi and go, go on, off you go. There was yeah. no but, the ball around. There was no solid 11. Guardiola, and obviously I can't talk about under Johan Cruyff, but under Guardiola, you knew the starting 11. Yes, the talent was different. The team that he had last season... Should have still performed better than being not uh, yeah. in the first. I, I'm, not saying, not I'm not saying. I'm not title race. That the level of player he had, that Coman had, and it's not an excuse for him. It's just I'm saying the level of player he has is not the level that Guardiola and Cruyff had. And this is I what I'm saying. Had, he and he's no, but he's got but he's got players. players. What I'm saying is he's got players who've got he's got a good squad. Yes, he's got a squad of players that should be challenging in the in the Spanish league, and they should be doing better in the Championship. That they're not going to conquer like the pre- the Barcelona that beat Man United did, are they? If you look at what he did last year, his first thing he did was got rid of Luis Suarez. First thing he free. did was got rid of Luis Suarez. You well, can that's just... what you want about him being a prick. Was that you the club rid... or was that... no? I don't. I don't that know. Was, was that the... that, that was, was him. him? Well, he's a that cop. Was him. He didn't want Luis Suarez. He, he notified he got... him by text message. Yeah, really? I didn't know this. You see, I didn't know so he this. didn't want him anymore. I'm just looking at it in the cold light of day, not knowing a lot about it, and I just don't don't think the talent's there that he, that, that was there previously. There is he, clearly talent that's emerging. He, he, he but if he's if he's buggering a player as Suarez is class, regardless of his age, that's a bit that's just mental, isn't it, really? He threw Suarez away, as Brian said, on a free to Atletico Madrid. He then went on to bang twenty goals in thirty games, which won them the title. Yeah. What you you sign Antoine Gresman for a shit ton of money, whether that's him or people around him, he still wanted Gresman and decided Suarez was out the door. He then perceived to try to play people like Coutinho in midfield, bringing Dembele, and he went for a spell with Dembele up front. He obviously was so out of his depth that he was just dipping in and getting. So, where so we're saying he got what he deserved. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, hundred percent. Ab- absolutely. I completely agree with what you're saying. He he didn't have like the Javis, the Iniestas and stuff like that. Just, yeah. However, what he does have is Frankie de Jong, PK, Sergio Busquets, and they've got Ansu Fati, who's probably the best young player on the planet right now. He Pedri, will soon be all on the these, injury list we spoke about yeah. earlier, just to let you know. All right. these players were bought up and designed to play the style of football that was played under Pep. Keoman came in and went, no, we're just going to play something that basically but they played. What I'm saying, it doesn't work. Did he, did, I mean, it's his mistake. He's, did, but did he come in and think, well, they're not, the, they're not Iniesta, they're not this, they're not that, they're not, I'm going to play it like this because I ain't going to get, a, they're not the, the, the article that, that they're used to. I mean, if you, if you go to, a, it's like going to any football club, if you go to Spurs like Mourinho found and you don't play attacking football, you get the bums rush. You go to Steve Bruce at Newcastle, don't play the attacking football they want, you'll get the bums rush. And it's it's the same sort of thing, really, isn't it? At the Barcelona but for Koeman? Yes, but at the same time, you go to Barcelona knowing that you're going to be judged on your football. Yeah. Possibly more than your result. If you play decent, like Ernesto Valverde, 
was actually not was given time and credit because they said you play the right football will give you the time to get the results. So do you think it's Coleman's mentality because he he had a top flight career and he's gone in I don't care what's gone before I'm doing it my way it's my way or no way and it's, it's turned out it's it's cost him is that that's what's but happened. How, but how did he get the job in the first place? Because he's because a hero at Barcelona. I get that but and and I see that in other record. clubs. Yeah, I see that in other clubs and I'll give you Man United and I'll lay on the yeah. Solskjaer. Oh. Exactly. That's and what I, I said I earlier. He should go too. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm not I'm not having a pop at Man U, but they've signed a player because he was a fan's favourite and he could bring back the glory days. And they're harking back to days and it's something he can't deliver in, well, in Solskjaer it, it, and Coman. It looks like Barcelona are about to do it again because they look like they're going to bring in Javi. But they brought in we'll Guardiola with no relatively no experience, didn't they, as well? Yeah, I don't think he had any. I think he was managing their under-23s yeah. when they called so, him through. Pep came through. Pep was coaching the players was he? that he ended up managing. So that kind of helped him because he made that step. Okay. So Barcelona, Xavi coming in there uh, disgracefully has got a 1.9 million pound load. There's already talk about who they're potentially going to sign, and we discussed this with Ryan a minute ago. And yeah, there's already talk about no, before while we were while we were down for a second. Oh, okay. Yeah, we. I was just saying that there's talk uh, already in newspaper talk, and some of the journalists are well-connected journalists, and they're saying this player, that player. How can Barcelona possibly in the be in the position to sign anyone? Really, with a billion pound debt, what well, two point nine billion now? Because they've nice, uh, because they've now now got this building loan or whatever. Madness, madness. Uh, that's someone should. Yeah, something's wrong somewhere. Shall we look at um, away from Barcelona? Are we done Barcelona? That was almost a salty moment there, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm done with that one. I'll be done with that one. Um, well, uh, that leaves us to uh, have a look at um, before we go to Dan and his shit houseery and uh, my uh, my thing. We need to look at. Um, Last week, last Sunday, uh, there was um, a game. I texted Dan and I said I would laugh my socks off if Man United got there, had their trans pants pulled down and their asses kicked as a joke. And Dan, Dan said, "No, nah, it's going to be a boring nil-nil." That's the conversation, wasn't it, Dan? Five nil right. later, Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire ripped to shreds. Um, what, Ryan? You're the Man United fan. What's your view? Because my view is, oh. it was fucking hilarious. Because uh, it's. <laughs> Um, no, the, the reason it's hilarious because when you see a big club get tanked, doesn't matter who they are, you love it. After all my favourites. I, I, I will just say this because I'm a Man United fan, I can say this. It was an awful display, absolutely completely disjointed. There was nothing positive about it. We were destroyed by a team that are probably the best team in Europe right now, playing the best football at the moment. It was the best team playing probably its worst form in ages the only thing i have a little bit of issue with i can't defend ollie on any anything from what happened that the, there is no defense for it but all i will say is people are acting like this is the fall of the roman empire because man united got spanked five nil we've been done by huge score lines under Fergie as well. Yeah, yeah, it happened. Against Southampton. Arsenal ripped the, the living crap out of you once as well, didn't they? Under exactly. We, I think it was like 6-2 or 6-1 or something, and then but, we did it the other way around. But the difference um, here is Fergie was in charge then. At the moment, yes, there's a man who's not a patch also, on Fergie, is he? Yes, but also we got done 6, I think it was 6-1 by Tottenham last year. This happens at Man United because of the that style of football too. they play. 
every yeah. now and again they get a whoop. We lost. Do you remember the the grey shirts where I think it was six three to Southampton. To Southampton, Man United have always had this in them to get whooped. Yeah, um, but I don't think they've been quite. I mean, I've got to say, for me, it's the the manner in which they were undressed. To me, yes. it, it was it was it wasn't. Man United, that they get beaten, and you can see, right, fair enough. This one to me just feels a lot different. It just feels like it's. I don't actually. I don't think it's the end, the fall of the Roman Empire. What I do think is, is the it marks the actual beginning of the end of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer because I don't think he's going to be around much longer. I, they're not going to tolerate too much from him. I think the beginning of the. My, I, I, I will say it, and I, I think it's probably going to get Ryan might disagree. I thought the beginning of the end for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is when they lost the Europa League final. I am going to disagree because a lot of people bring up the fact that he didn't win the Europa League. Let, let's just call it actually what it was in reality. And we lost the Europa League final. No, we lost 11-10 on penalties. We still lost. Our, our goalkeeper missed the penalty. That's wow. how close it was. So it wasn't like we See, went there, shat the bed, got spanked 8-0 and got embarrassed. I've got we to say... Anyone can lose on penalties. And I've, can I just also add, one of the Villarreal players, which is the team we played in the final, is up for the bloody Balloon Dior. They're not as bad a team as people are making out. No, again, but who said... Where did I say? Did I say Villarreal are a bad side? No, I'm just, a lot of people in the media are. They're like, Man United should be whooping Villarreal when Villarreal got you, player up for Balloon Dior. should have beat them. On that we day, you should have beat them. Jesus, people, wake up. No, How many but, people... But you should have beat them. If you look like that, uh, when you get into a final, I, I, you can disagree with me if you want. When you get into a final, it's it's a gamble. It's whoever turns up on the day. You you can talk about stature. You can talk about who's got who players. But if your if your star player shits himself in a final and doesn't play to his strength, that's it. To be fair, you look at Man United at Wembley against Barcelona, and Rio Ferdinand quite openly says the manager got the tactics wrong. Uh, for that game, because because he he didn't put he didn't put um, uh, Park Ji Sung on on, Fergie, on, yeah. on Messi, and they players were screaming for it during the game, and they wouldn't do it, and 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 the horse had bolted, and had they uh, so they and they got a proper whooping. I mean, they were outplayed that game. That had they done that, a different game. But yeah, I mean, the for me, of- I think Ronaldo coming back has 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 upset the apple cart. I think because he doesn't do enough for me. He doesn't. Um, he, he's at the second lowest in stat for uh, pressing. He doesn't do anything like that. He just stands there. He just moves around. He won't. Uh, if a defender's got the ball, he won't go and attack that defender. That's the stats. He's the second worst in the Premier League. Uh, Man United. Uh, from what I've always seen, the Man United players, everyone pressed. Everyone pressed. They don't do that anymore. He doesn't do that. That's your weak link. That's definitely a hundred percent correct. Because if you look at last season with Cavani, Cavani. He was the trigger yep. to the press. I think Ollie's biggest fault, and especially recently, has been I think he feels he's got a better caliber of player now. So he can play a different style of football to the style of football he's been playing for the last two years. And it's just not good enough. I think Ronaldo should be on the bench and come off when you need a goal. You can't be starting Cristiano Ronaldo. and But Ronaldo sulks if he doesn't play, does he? I mean, I saw a, fo- a thing. There was a clip of uh, Solskjaer giving it the hands. And then there was another clip of Ronaldo doing it. Now, listen, that, that could be edited together and it could be two separate incidents miles apart, t- 20 minutes apart. 
There's no, uh, unless you see that as uh, uh, you see the whole picture and you see that it, going on. It, no, I'm not believing it. No, was that it? was one clip. Yeah. It's it all, off, it, it panned from Solskjaer onto Ronaldo and Ronaldo and was doing he that. Was, all right. So I thought it was, was whether he was doing that. He was doing that in context then. Yeah. It was, as it was going on. Well, I, I'm sorry, but, um, but yeah. I, I just want to reverse because I didn't finish my point. Um, the, the, the reason I say the Villarreal game is because I, I sat there watching that game. And I thought, are you going to change this at some point? Are you going to change your tactical approach? Or are you just going to change personnel and hope? And he changed personnel and hoped. And I thought, okay, this is a concern. And then I've noticed that when things aren't quite going his way, he doesn't change tactics. So he, there's no plan B is what you're saying. It. It, and it helps him. I mean, he obviously can get his tactics right because his record against the top six until last season was very good. Last season, the only team worse than him was Tottenham. What? So what needs to happen at Man U, Ryan? To be honest, at this point, I'm really not sure. I honestly, genuinely don't know. Everyone's talking about Antonio Conte coming in. I don't think that's the right move because he will do what he's Money. done at the other club. He will come in, he will tear up everything Man United have been trying to do for the last three years and just do what Mourinho did. And bring in a bunch of expensive foreign players that will do you a job for about two years, and then he'll upset the dressing room and upset the board, and, and then, then he'll, he'll be go. out on his ear. Okay. And everything that Man United have tried to build for the last three years has gone. What I think they need is someone like Mauricio Steve Pochettino Bruce. when oh. he went to Spurs. He was a young manager who bought into a vision of a club and worked with his own skills. To, to, to create that vision as opposed to someone who just wants to come in, rip it all up and do it their own way. But the, I mean, I, um, who is that man? Who is me. that? Who is that man to go me. in and do all that? Me. No, seriously. Who, who, who is that out there? Is there anyone Ryan at Man United now that could go in and, and take over? Is there a succession in place that someone that could succeed? No, so, not, not that I can see. So um, the next would be, Really, because I don't think they'd give it to Mike Freeland. If they were to keep it in house, it'd be Michael Carrick, and that's not a good idea. No, he's not even good enough to be coach, if you ask me personally. But um, I said it on last week's pod. I would go for someone like Thomas Frank. I would have gone for the previous Dortmund manager, but he's obviously gone to Bayern Munich. Oh, uh, Nagelsmann. No. Yeah, I would have gone for Nagelsmann, but he's obviously gone to Bayern Munich. Because I mean, the other thing that confuses me about Oli's style of play is the fact that we've got young talent now. No, that someone we signed Jaden Sancho, who's used to playing a high pressing game at Borussia Dortmund, and they're not so doing we it. We play a high pressing game, and then we leave Sancho on the bench, uh, and then you, and you've got the one, the worst player at pressing uh, in Ronaldo. Up front, I've I've said previously on the pod that I don't understand is is in game ta- is in game management. I don't get it. I I know David David de Gea has been in good form. He's always been a fantastic shot stopper. But one thing he doesn't do is command his defenders and command his box. And the reason Man United was so much better defensively last season was because Dean Henderson is in between the sticks and he doesn't shut up. So I think... <laughs> I think genuinely, that, that is, that's what I you need on need a pitch. To replace, yeah, I think they need to replace David De Gea. I know he's been fantastic shot stopping. He always has been, but he just doesn't command his defence. I think they're missing that leadership. And it, Harry it, Maguire, sorry, let me just finish. And then I'll yeah. Harry Maguire is not a captain. I don't care how nice he is. I don't care what the players think of him. On that football pitch, 
He is not a captain. I said it to Dan previously. He should not be Manchester United captain. I, I, I will say, back to the keeper, De Gea, if you've got a keeper, I would take a keeper who's more vocal over a keeper that's uh, got world-class agility. I would take Henderson if he's more vocal than De Gea because uh, you look at uh, the, the best the best teams, they have leaders running throughout that team. And I'm struggling to see where those leaders are now at Man United. Because there's no one, there's no one like Peter Schmeichel in goal. Who, if that defender slept, stepped out of line, Steve Bruce and Gary Pallister or whoever would be shitting themselves. That Schmeichel would be at them. And then if you did that, if if my, if if, if the, you had Steve Bruce and Pallister who would lead from the back, you'd also had. I mean, just look at Rio and, and Vidic. Good grief, you're not going to argue with them. You go into the had, midfield, and a big yeah. problem for me is the midfield. Uh, and 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 you look. Throughout that, a good team, you have leaders, and I don't see any leaders through, and I just don't think they're good enough. We've You've got just touched two. on a point. You touched on a point um, that that I really agree on. When I watch the game, and the games I've watched before, uh, Fred and McTominay, you, they just no, no. Don't McTominay, turn. McTominay, I don't mind. I don't, but I don't think he should be starting. The problem for Man United is they don't have someone better than him. Which is the problem that they need to. And Fred should be playing for Welling United. So McTominay for me should be on the bench and bring him on when you're three one up and you just want to keep it and close the don't go and keep it tight. I, I don't think he's a starter for Man United. He might be a starter at Everton. He might be a starter at Newcastle. He's not a Manchester United player for me. McTominay for me reminds me of uh, of a Nicky Butt. He was very good, very able, very solid deputy, but he was never going to replace a Roy Keane or a Paul Scholes. Uh, Fred's nowhere near good enough. We know this. Fred. Listen, we hammer, we hammer Fred. Fred's a good professional. He works hard. He tries his best. He's not up to Manchester United's no. league. Matic is well past his prime. He's yep. 33. He, he's... he's Bless him, he, he can barely run, he can barely turn, it is no good. So basically, we've got one half-decent midfielder because everyone keeps saying Paul Pogba, Paul Pogba's proved for years he can't play as a central midfielder. And that's the reason we got whooped at Leicester because for some reason, Oli decided, and everyone talks about how bad the Leicester game was, he decided he would drop McTominay and Fred and bring in Pogba and Matic into the midfield. You're not going to win a football game with those two in central midfield. It's just not going to happen. And I think so it's also perfectly clear that... Uh, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer walked in on Danny Van Den Beek and his wife um, because Van Der Beek can't get anywhere near the side. I don't know why he was him. signed. I honestly don't understand it. He's signed. He's not played. At least give him a shot. Tech, yeah. Realistically, he should be a good option in midfield. He's high energy. He's built up his body mass because last year he was a little bit slim. But Solskjaer he, doesn't fancy him. Yeah, and technically, he's, he's from the Ajax Academy. He knows how to use a football. He should be a good temporary solution. But that's but... the that's the thing. After you've been smashed for five by Liverpool, I don't know who you've got next, but surely this is the game where you'd maybe try him or try a Hannibal, who's a young talent I think at United. It... Just see. I think next one is Tottenham. Tottenham. Um, Tottenham. I would I'd put him in there with McTominay. Uh, and and I'd bring in Sancho as well, because what all you've got to Solskjaer do with Sancho, I don't know. Everyone's saying that Man United shouldn't have bought Sancho. But for the last 18 months, they're saying Man United need a, a right winger. So we go I, out and buy Sancho and never, everyone's I'm, saying I'm, no, we shouldn't have bought him. I'm still mystified by the Ronaldo signing um, and starting him. I just, it just mystifies me because he's he's not 
what you you is great if you're chasing a game if you're chasing a game and you need to get a goal and you're an hour into a game and there's a deadlock bring him on fine but you can't be starting games with him because because of, of what we said already he doesn't work for the team uh, he doesn't work for the team for me I Something think that Ryan can... said oh go on Ryan sorry I was just gonna say I think you can start him at home because at home you're supposed to have the ball you're supposed to dictate play so you can use him as a poacher at home. Away from home, I agree. He shouldn't be starting. And personally, I don't think Man United should have signed him. I don't think we needed to sign him. No, I think Cavani didn't. and Greenwood were more than good enough. I think it was an opportunity yeah. that fell into their laps that they never foresaw coming. It's and a commercial I, opportunity. It, yes. I don't think that was an Ollie or a transfer committee it was signing. It's a commercial, ex- a commercial one. Yeah, Dan. The, 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 the thing that got me, and it's something that Ryan said when we originally discussed Ronaldo going to United, and brings to your point about Sancho, I think Sancho would be starting if they hadn't signed Ronaldo. Yeah. Because Greenwood would, Greenwood would be up front, not on the right wing, wasting his time because Greenwood is a natural finisher and should be Man United striker with that option of having Cavani for when you want to rest Greenwood, etc., They sign Ronaldo. Ronaldo is going to be in starting a lineup for the majority of games. It just is. Um, and then you have to put Greenwood out wide, which has a knock-on effect for Sancho, who then don't get to play the games. Greenwood has no right to be on the wing. He should be up front. And I saw a Man United fan this morning just to detour a little bit, saying that Ronaldo's taking minutes off Anthony Martial. Good. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> on reflection, Man United are a, a, a bit of a crossroads at the moment, um, but but they need someone to come in, but we don't know who at the moment because there's no one obvious. Pochettino still honest, at Paris Saint-Germain. Isn't he? If, so. I'm, if I'm really honest with you, I don't think Oli will be there at the end of the season. I don't think I he'll think, be there at Christmas. I, I think he will be there until nah. the end of the season, and then they will say thank you very much, goodbye. I, I don't think he's going to make Christmas. Have you seen the next three games? Go on. Yeah, it's Tottenham, have, Atalanta Tottenham, and City. Tottenham at Atlanta, at Tottenham, at, at, at Atalanta, and then he's at home at Man City. If he doesn't get through those three games, it's yeah. going to be a riot. If, <laughs> if, if Man City do what Liverpool, or get anywhere close to doing what Liverpool done, he'll be gone. The only the only good thing for him is his record against Guardiola is genuinely really good. Um, yeah. we'll so see. it might help him out. Man, Tottenham are crap. We'll see. Now, it, Ryan really didn't want us to discuss that tonight, did you, Ryan? When we mentioned it, he said bastards. No, bastards, just, he said. <laughs> I, I, I did tell her about it because it's all that's been on the TV all week. I, I know, it's I been enjoy, great. We loved it. I, I enjoy listening. And can I just actually say, well, everybody's been bashing Ollie and bashing Man United, and fair enough, it was shit. Yeah. Can I just say how bloody amazing Liverpool were? Mo Salah. As bad as Man United were, you've still got to rip them a new butthole, and that's exactly what Liverpool did. Mo Salah. Mo Salah, the world's best player at the moment. Without without Sadio Mane in the starting eleven, without Fabinho in their midfield, Matip as well, which who is a starter for them, but without three big starting players, Fabinho and Mane especially, they, they walked all over them, didn't they? I want to say to listeners, if you think, because we get a bit salty with each other, that um, when, they, when the microphone switched off, we have a giggle. Whatever's said on the podcast stays on the podcast and it doesn't get carried over. We we uh, we still have a bit of a giggle about football. Uh, and uh, talking of which, it's time to... Uh, we, we're supposed to... So we've given Dan... We've appointed Dan as the czar of shithousery. And uh, we haven't found anything for Ryan yet, but we will, Ryan. Don't panic. 
Give us a couple of weeks. It'll take a couple of weeks, but something will spring to our minds and we'll appoint you as something. Dan, is your position of um, czar of shithousery, there's been a fair amount this week, hasn't there? Yeah, so I've narrowed it down to one is uh, in football one and then one is in the fans. So uh, second place, I just want to say well done. I really appreciate the shithousery of the Liverpool fans singing Ollie's at the wheel at full time at Old Trafford. <laughs> well played. Fucking brilliant. Loved that. That is shit house. I was Charlton fans. We've done that before elsewhere. Yeah. So big fan of that. But shit houseery of the week. Go on. It's going to Adrianians FC of Scotland. Go on. Um, they beat Dumbarton three two this weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the eighty eighth minute, they're two one down. Oh, yeah. Hey. However, in the eighty eighth minute, they are two one down. However. Go on. With 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 six minutes remaining. Dumbarton then proceed to have three men sent off. <laughs> Brilliant. They score a penalty, and then in the 96th minute, Go on. Salim Azaya scores a, for Edrionians, and they win the game 3 2. Amazing. If that's not shithousery, is that on YouTube? Is. is that game on YouTube somewhere? Because I'd like to see that. Can I, can I get a bit of vintage shithousery? Years ago, in, in the 80s, we used to have a. Uh, uh, a cable channel called Screen Sport. And they used to show Copper America and all the South American games. There was a game in South America, and I cannot remember who it was between. But the, sh- the level of shithousery in those games is astonishing. But this one was particularly good. A penalty was awarded. And this was this was pre-planned, what the, uh, the opposition did. Penalty was awarded against, uh, I think they were a Chilean team. And what happened was the defenders surrounded the keeper, uh, the referee, right? Moved the referee away from the penalty box with their arguments. Whilst they're doing that, the goalkeeper has rubbed out the penalty spot. I mean, shithousery. They had to then wait for someone to come on with a bucket of paint, paint the penalty spot. Done that, and they've repeated the uh, uh, the act. Absolute top shithousery. There was a bit I saw today on Twitter. There was... um. Uh, a game in, in uh, one of the na- non-league teams. Uh, and there was two guys. One guy was herring down the wing with a player uh, defender chasing him. A fan leapt over and tackled him. Absolutely perfect I was, tackle. I was watching that live. That was Altrincham against Wokey. That's the one. Wasn't, wasn't it? What a tackle it was, wasn't it? It was an amazing tackle. tackle. Have you seen any shitterousery this week, Ryan, that you want to bring to the Zars' attention? Um, That's a no. I think, well, no. To be honest, I think the biggest shithousery at the moment oh. going on is the um, the the individual battle between Mohamed Salah and the rest of the Premier League because he's winning it hands down. <laughs> That's not shithousery. That's <laughs> talent. Shit-housery. That's not shithousery. Whopping the whole league on your own. That's shithousery. <laughs> <laughs> the highest order. I, I tell you who I always look out for is, in terms of shithousery. It's uh, Jamie Vardy. I think he's uh, he has potential. I mean, yeah, Dan's shaking his head. He There's, will make the he will make the shithousery. He will make the shithousery. He will make it because he just he loves nothing better than to to shithouse in some way. So, what have you got for me, Dan? So yours is um, I've completely forgotten what yours is. Was yours- it? No, yours is salt, salt, saltiness of the week. Saltiness of the um, week. I have I have a, a statement ready. However, I think we might be on the same thing. So I'm going to let you say yours. And then if mine's different, I'll come in afterwards. Manchester United, Liverpool at Old Trafford. The camera pans into the stand at 5-0. And there is Sir Alex Ferguson. The fucking vision of saltiness. 
What a oh! It looked like a a, a bulldog that just licked the piss off a nettle. He was not a happy man. <laughs> salty, I give you our first salty, Sir Alex Ferguson. Uh, ten, is so, that um, where you were going? No. So um, or Lee Johnson at Sunderland, the wanker. Every everyone <laughs> raise their glass. If you're listening at home, raise your glass to the, to catch the tears of <laughs> Lee Johnson at full time. <laughs> Sunderland, I've never seen a man come out to a press conference <laughs> and his first words are to make up an excuse about how the striker that you have played that you won't play next week isn't going to play next week because he's going to be banned. Because for a headbutt that didn't happen. That, are you that upset that you've lost, that you're excited because a striker that you've just played <laughs> isn't going to be playing next week? And then, then to compound it, the Sunderland fans then have weighed in all week saying, how, how has he not been charged? And when you watch the video, there's no head, head involved at all. Absolute. They, they go they go head to head and Stockley turns his shoulder into him. And, uh, deliberately. Apparently, I, don't, I can't confirm. But oh, it's deliberate. If you look at Lee Johnson, apparently his head is somewhere on no, the No, no. And there's also uh, Jason Pierce, a penalty against Jason Pierce, who was on the floor when the ball was kicked from about two yards from him. No time to react. That's handball, apparently, according to Lee Johnson. He's a close one second, but I'm thinking Sir Alex is getting it. Cause... Again, if you've got a cut, please catch the tears. Face like thunder. Uh, Ryan, any sorties for you other than the entire... <laughs> Everything, anyone in Manchester in, in, in the Old Trafford area at the moment? Have you got anything? Saltiness. I'll probably give it to Jamie O'Hara on um, Talksport. He's oh. been proper salty about Man United. Has he? Um, yeah. Oh, um, hang on. What about Danny Mills? I don't, yeah. I don't really listen to Danny Mills. That's Jason Cundy's the other one who's proper salty. He was the one who was like, Newcastle got new owners. They need to be relegated. It's just like, Jesus, no, come on. Yeah, he's no, exceptional. Jason Cundy, that's what he's there for. He's there to provoke. And that's that whole radio station is Jamie O'Hara. But uh, the Danny Mills one is they cut to him and they said, what do you make? And he just said, they're a load of shite or something, didn't he? he just, no, yeah. so he was on Sky Sport. They, they were talking about Man United. Then they went for a TV break. And when they came back from the TV break, they didn't, <laughs> they didn't say they were live again. So the guy running the interview said, oh, it's lovely to talk to you two. And Danny Mills turned around and went, the basis of our conversation is that Man United is shit. No one had told him he was live. Yeah, and that went out live. So <laughs> <laughs> on that note, uh, so we'll think of something. If you've got suggestions for us on uh, what Ryan can be the czar of, send us an email or message us on Facebook, actually. That's probably the best way. Or tweet us. Uh, that's pretty much it, fellas, for this time. Uh, who knows what the weekend will bring? There's another fixtures, more chance for a bit of saltiness, for a bit of shithousery, and the odd thrashing here. And so, um, thank you very much, Dan. Thank you, uh, Ryan. Thank you very much for this delightful show. He has gone, Ryan. Can you quick, very quickly, just the, the sponsor us that you're involved with? Just, just quickly give them a plug. The Proper Blokes Club. Go to properblokesclub.co.uk for mental health for men. Dan, go. Let us talk Mental Health Football Club. We're playing in Crayford. If you're in the area, come and see us. What date? On the 19th of November, Friday a, night, 7.30. At VCD's home ground at Oakwood. Is that right? VCD's home ground, yeah. Excellent. Gentlemen, have a less than salty week and let's hope none of us have our trousers pulled down and our asses spanked like Man U. Thank you very much. Ta-ra. Bastards.